Stag. Man and his amazing friends. Hey, that was Mr. Daniel Warren Johnson, and this is Stegman and his amazing friends. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Dan, thanks so much for bringing us in with that little jam session. You're welcome. Hey, everybody. It's me, your best pal, Griffin, and uh, Mr. Ryan Stegman is here. Ryan, how are you feeling this week? Perfect. 100%. (laughs) No sickness, nothing at all. Actually, I did just turn in the last page of uh, issue four of absolute carnage just like 15 minutes before we started this so i'm feeling all right good. how many issues Congrats, is be total how many it's gonna be five so i've actually already started on five but i had one lagging page behind that you know i kind of let dangle there for a little bit because i had to ink it myself and i just did it look at you inking <clears throat> yourself it took me <laughs> about i would say five times longer than it takes daniel to ink a page <laughs> Let's just talk about how fast I am this whole podcast. I will. I was about to. Dan and I, Dan is part of my Skype group, uh, mm-hmm. the guys that I talk to during the day while we all draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dan will do this thing where he'll, he'll get on later than everybody else, and then he'll go, he'll, he'll start acting like bummed out. He's like, ah, this page is taking me forever. We'll be like, how long have you been working on it? And he'll be like, oh, like two hours. <laughs> and then he'll uh, another hour will go by and then he'll be like my page is done do you want to see it <laughs> so he's put in about three hours and i'm like i've i've got eight more to go in the day and you started and like three hours before i did yeah it's unbelievable <laughs> and they're amazing all of them are amazing we don't even comment on them anymore we're just like ah oh, screw you dan yeah it's gotten to that <laughs> point where like because you can upload pictures into the skype chat and then people mm-hmm. usually mm-hmm. comment on it you know it's like wow dan look it's really cool that's what it used to be and now it's just like empty silence because everybody's just mad that I got it done so fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Dan, the, uh, the the writer, artist extraordinaire Dan's here, of course. Um, Dan, thanks so much for being on the show this week, dude. Yeah, man. Can you um can you call me Daniel Warren Johnson next time? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, Daniel Warren Johnson. Anyway, when folks, I... we got Daniel Warren Johnson here. Um, Daniel Warren Johnson, if you uh, if you could tell us, what are some of your credits, man? What do you got? What are some of the books we could recognize you Definitely from? Definitely the best book I've ever worked on was Alabaster, The Good, The Bad, and The Bird. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, forgot when, about that. The when, good old days. When I, have, when I do interviews on like podcasts and stuff, they're like, hey, is there anything you maybe don't want us to talk about? I'm like, yeah, alabaster. Let's not talk about alabaster. <laughs> so you let it, you let it, led with it. Yeah, well, I figured, you know, you, you know, I'm in, I'm in special company here. I got to make your podcast good because who else is gonna do it? Yeah, that's true. I'm not. Can you make us the sure. only podcast where you've talked, you've talked about it? What do you have Deal. to say about it? Deal. Oh, it's just a friggin' miserable experience all around, <laughs> and that's but no secret. That was his. So. All right, I'll I'll do it for you, Dan. Okay, okay. Oh, also, me. he told you to call him Daniel Warren Johnson. When I first met him, he was upset with me because I kept calling him Daniel, and he was like, "Nobody calls me that." So, 
He's changed the rules now. He likes being. I just. I was thing. just being. I was just being a dick for no reason. Yeah. That's all right, uh, man. We've had Chips Zdarsky on the show, so it's not my first go. Yeah, around. I don't even know why I'm trying to play his game. I should probably just be that nice guy who's like, oh, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Um, anyway. The, so the first place I noticed Dan's work was at Cincinnati, Cincinnati Comic Con. It seemed to be everybody, for some reason, was talking about his work. Everybody's like, you see that guy That guy over there, his work? It was, uh, he was do- at the time, he was doing a, uh, uh, a webcomic called Space Mullet. Oh, God. Uh, what? It's awesome. I mean, it, it eventually got collected, I think, was it by Dark Horse? Dark Horse, yeah. 200 pages. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Uh, nobody does that, you know? Like, nobody actually breaks in with a webcomic. It's mm-hmm. it's normally an image comic or, yeah. uh, you know, IDW or something like that. But Dan just did it all himself, wrote and drew it. Um, yeah, it was it was incredible. And then next thing I know, he's, he's killing it on Alabaster. <laughs> That's kind of a joke. He he did Ghost Fleet with my man, with our with our co-host of the show that's only here ten uh, percent of the time, uh, Donnie Cates. Yes, yeah, that was a great uh, time. Yeah, that's where. I, actually, I think that's how the first time I met Donnie was at a show because I was hanging out with you. Mm. And oh, you really? You introduced us. Yeah, we were sitting. At, I think it was at Seattle. Oh shoot! I mean, he just came by for a minute. And we just sat and we talked, and he had you know that sort of uh, electric socket energy where it looked like he was like on fire and you're like whoa that was like a whirlwind meeting donnie yep uh what 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 year was that uh i think you guys had just finished ghost fleet so whenever that would have been i'm not early maybe like 2015 i think yeah okay and then i just kind of always like back pocketed the the donnie meeting like oh that guy was crazy And then, you know, later we started working together uh, and, and we fell in love. So so we can thank Daniel for that. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> then you did Little some uh, you did some Marvel work here and there, but mostly you're known for the great extremity and murder falcon. Yes, that's definitely the stuff I'm most proud of for sure. Yeah. Extremity was awesome. Thank you. Uh, that's my that's my favorite. This is weird. Book we don't yeah. like you don't like sing my praises. We talk every day, and you're always well, we like have, you're making uh, fun of me and like ribbing me and stuff. And now you're like, wow, Dan, it's just so cool to have you on the show. <laughs> this is what I gotta do. I have to have all my friends on so I can finally say nice things to them. <laughs> if you ever want to make Ryan uncomfortable, just tell him how much you care about his friendship. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um. So, yeah, uh, Extremity and, and Murder Falcon, fun fact, when I met uh, last week's guest, um, Kenny, uh, when I met him for the first time, he was wearing a Murder Falcon cap, and I was like, that's pretty cool. That's um, awesome. So, a uh, little fun fact for you there. Um, Dan, I uh, I am a college student, so I'm poor and busy, the worst combination. Okay. Um, and so, uh, today, I finally got to dig into your stuff. I read Extremity, Issue 1, and Murder Falcon, Issue 1, and... Man, let me tell you, I enjoyed the hell out of both of those and am very excited to dig into the rest of it. Um, Extremity, it was just, uh, I don't know, just like the the, the the little battle scene. It's a, such a swift battle, but so effective. Oh, um, and I really, really loved it. And of course, the opening pages of Murder Falcon are genius. Thank you. Um, so uh, let's, I think we're just going to trek through your timeline. We're going to work through... Uh, how you got into comics and to how it all sort of unfolded for you. Cause like Ryan was saying, you broke in in an interesting way. Um, and we always like hearing about that on the show sure. and we're going to work all the way up to, uh, to your upcoming stuff with wonder woman. How's that sound? That sounds great. Fantastic. Then by all means, tell us about how, uh, 
how you got started in comics? Where did it all begin? It all started. <clears throat> Hold on. Okay, I'm, here we go. I'm trying mm-hmm. to bring the energy up here. I have a cold, <laughs> and so does Ryan. So here we go. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Keep it at whatever energy you want. No, it's because we were making out. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's only five hours away from me. So. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> okay. So, uh, I think it started with Calvin and Hobbes. I think. Right. Sure. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's got to be Calvin and Hobbes, because mm-hmm. that was the only comics they had at the library, which was the only place I had access to get comics, because I was small and had no money. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is like mid-early, no, like this is like middle mid-90s right now. And uh, it's like before the internet, so like imagery was relatively hard to come by. So mm-hmm. I remember like I found like a 10-cent comic that told me about how dangerous smoking was. I think it was Captain, I got it at my doctor's office. Captain America. I don't know. Ryan, do you ever get that? In the doctor's no. office, the uh, they had comics of Captain America telling kids not to smoke. I never saw that, but it sounds amazing. Maybe it was Captain America talking about the dangers of uh, asthma. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America like, has like a bag of asthma inhalers that he's handing out to kids. Um, had a big effect on me. Did. But on the back, there was a picture of Optimus Prime as an advertisement. Oh, yeah. And I was like, well, this is amazing. And I never, I'd always <laughs> watch the show, but like, you know, there aren't just like pictures of Optimus Prime lying around. Some cartoon that already had its heyday and was just in reruns. So imagery was really inspirational in the beginning. And part of that was Calvin and Hobbes, just because it was the actual first like comics that I was really reading. Um, I also read a lot of Foxtrot. You guys ever read I Foxtrot? Did too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it wasn't exactly like energetic but it was really fun <laughs> yeah um, gosh oh geez let's see and then uh it was through the library that i read most of this stuff so now we're getting into like batman year one um and this is kind of before trade paperbacks were a thing so it was like a hardcover but mm-hmm. it didn't have like that sexy appeal that hardcovers have now it kind of was like this okay we don't know what to do with this let's <laughs> just like throw a hardcover on it and get it out there yeah um so, like, the first edition hardcover, same with The Dark Knight Returns. Um, I read a lot of Tintin, because uh, nice. for some reason my library just had every volume of Tintin on the planet. It's like a it's a law of libraries. They have to have all of the Tintin, and that's it. I have not been to a library in a while, but at least in the uh, 90s, it was Tintin all day, every day. Um, Sweet. I read every single one. Um, so that kind of, like, got me started in the beginning. Uh, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. This is interesting because it, it really does lay the bait because your your style is really diverse. Uh, it's kind sure. of interesting the first things that you were into. I mean, you were on all spectrums of comic book art, kind of. That's true. That I'm, now that I'm thinking about it too, now that we're like bringing it up, is like, do you remember how like technical Tintin was? Yeah, like, super technical. It was yeah. almost like a reading math kind of. Yeah, it was um, more Mobius. Like it, you can see the through line to Mobius. Yeah, but I remember, and I think I read an. Uh, like an article about it somewhere but like they were militant about getting their references right like all the mm-hmm. tanks are like exactly like there's no artistic liberties taken whatsoever with the vehicles or guns that are used in Tintin um, mm-hmm. but then contrast that with just the absolute you know mind boggling bonanza that is Calvin and Hobbes where you can tell it's a car but it's not like it looks like a jeep or something like that right. you know? mm-hmm. um, yeah. so yeah now that yeah, that, that mix of um maybe that had an influence on me oh wow you for guys, sure you guys are making me look back now with rose-colored glasses 
Yeah. <laughs> you also, uh, so, so sweet. And this is like, so then Borders, when they, they, they still existed, had just mm-hmm. started like getting a few comics. They had like a really tiny, tiny comic book section. And uh, mm-hmm. Ed McInnes's Deadpool was there. Did Joe Kelly write that? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I loved that series. Yeah. Something, and I remember some joke in the intro about, at least I don't have to tie a pork chop around my neck to get a dog to play with me, Quasimodo. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that line in the intro, Joe Kelly writing that line, and I just read it over and over. Um, my dad was really upset that I wanted it. Um, right. Because how could you, how could a Christian family have a book called Deadpool in their house? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, I love my, I'm sad. So, I love my dad. My dad's great. He's also chilled <laughs> out a lot, uh, but like it was a really big deal for me to get that. And he actually, no, I did. I felt so guilty about owning it that I took a, um, a ballpoint pen and I colored over all the blood in the book. <laughs> really? Yeah. <I> <laughs> that see, this is this is another aspect of Dan's style. This is why it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so dark and bloody all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, maybe that's why you know held in. But um, my dad, I remember my dad flipping through it in Borders, like because I had it my own money. My dad was flipping through it, and I was like, "I'll color color all over the blood. It'll be fine." He's like, "It's not even that. Just he's like flipping through it. He's like, everybody just looks so angry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so intense, you know. Like, and that kind of goes along with like the imagery thing. Like I hadn't like that kind of imagery just wasn't lying around. You had to like go into a comic book store or yeah. You know, not even like uh cuz they weren't really they didn't really have like Deadpool in the in the newsstands at that point. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like random. Yeah, Deadpool was a fringe character at best. Yeah. Yeah, cuz that was late 90s maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. I mean, I think that, that that's that was like the defining that was the new status quo for Deadpool, the breaking the fourth wall and the yep. sort of Bugs Bunny-ness of it all. I remember I tried looking for earlier Deadpool issues after I read that one when I was little and like combing through the, the bins and I was like, Oh, I don't like this at all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I like appreciate they... it now, but it was way more life LD. Like remember Joe mad was like working on it. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Took me forever to hunt that down. Cause I had to have everything that Joe mad ever drew right on. <laughs> I got to meet Joe mad like two years ago at San Diego. That was, I did too. I met him not a little more than two years ago, but when I did, I was like, like I had, I, I, I was flashing back to all the times that I would scour the internet in hopes that there was a video of him drawing online. I just yeah. wanted to see how his hand moved when he drew, like as though that would teach me how to be better at drawing. Is he left-handed? And I don't think so, okay. but he, I finally found one and I remember I had to like go through back channels to get it and it was him drawing for like 30 seconds <laughs> and then there he was just sta- sitting there drawing and I was standing there watching and I was like, oh my God. Well, you got to it's see him draw live. Happening. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, dang. Now I'm jealous. And it, it, it looked like somebody drawing. <laughs> <laughs> there was nothing magic about it at all. He was just hey, doing a really good drawing. I do this every damn day. He's doing the same yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we're kind of getting into like the Joe Mad mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Um, you know, I mean, it, he, he has such a huge influence on I me. Mean, I remember... Uh, been uh comic book been diving for all of his back issues especially with with the uncanny x-men mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and uh it was one issue it was a christmas issue of uncanny x-men do you remember this so with uh the guy with the mohawk and the red cape 
Mm-hmm. Um, what was his name? Uh, Start with a C. Did because um, it had he had the C on his chest, right? Didn't he fight Cannonball? Yeah, because remember the cover with the yeah fist at, yeah, and he's flying uh, at him. Yeah. Oh, that was so <laughs> awesome! And then I think it was a, it was something that was going on for a while, but I didn't. Magneto makes it so that like Rogue and Gambit can kiss finally with like her. Yep. He like has it, some sort of technology that. Yeah. He he drew that chunky snow. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's how I draw snow all the time now. Just, it doesn't look anything like snow. It just looks like giant snowballs are falling out of the sky. <laughs> that and um, I also looked at a lot of Chris. Ba- oh man, Bacello. Bacello. Thank you, Pacello. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, he drew chunky snow too. He drew chunky water. He drew chunky. Everything he draws is chunky. Yeah, chunky blood. Like, there's that yeah. scene where um, it's the cover, or I don't know if it's a splash page where Rogue is, like, touching Wolverine. It's, like, in the very beginning, and it's really bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like, him and Joe, like, traded off issues a bunch, but we're mm-hmm. doing a deep dive now on Uncanny X-Men. But uh, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm so into this right now. Yeah. It's, uh, so this I, is my shit. I was reading that a lot, and I loved the way Joe drew. So I would ape I would ape the way. I would copy the way Joe drew because I felt like I could tell, like, it would it like not wasn't right, but I was like, I don't want everyone to think that I draw like Joe mad. But I'll draw like, you know, um, I'll draw like Pacello. Chris Pacello because <laughs> uh, I guess – I thought he wasn't as popular or something. Like, maybe people wouldn't yeah, notice. Yeah, even though he's, like, one of the most popular artists ever. Yeah. Um, so, so that's, like, the early parts of my journey. That's, like, up into, like, pre-teens, early teens. Sure. Yeah. So, when when do you make the jump to creating? Well, I, I, I'd always been drawing since first grade. I would draw Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't very popular in school, and I was homeschooled. Oh, boy. Here we go. Let's see. So I was, uh, I did like regular school for like through second grade. Um, Mm -hmm. And in first grade, I just like didn't get along with anyone. And uh, I would get beat up all the time. And uh, (laughs) the way that I would avoid it is I would um, draw the kids Power Rangers. And I'd be like, hey, come on, leave me alone. I'll draw you a Power Ranger. And like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, then I guess some kid got pissed off because he went home to his artist mom and had her drew the red ranger and she obviously like had some sort of like artistic ability Mm -hmm. looking back on it now it was trash but like um (laughs) he brought it in and be like look what my mom did it's way better than yours and i was like oh "Oh my god he's right (laughs) uh mom dad i need to be homeschooled there's a there's a mom at the school that's better than me at drawing um so then uh yeah so third grade I had, my parents started homeschooling me, and I was homeschooled through twelfth grade. So, um, and you said you said you were taking art lessons all along, right? Like as part of your homeschooling. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was a local. I grew up in Framingham, Massachusetts. There was the there is the Danforth Art Museum, that also has a little mini like school attached to it, and I started with doing like all around school. That was, I think that was like in first grade, maybe even kindergarten. My I would do it with my dad. And I hated all of the paper mache stuff and all the BS that mm-hmm. went along with that and all the sculpting. So then I did drawing. Uh, I only wanted to do drawing. I did that for a while. And then there was this teacher when I hit like sixth grade, fifth or sixth grade. My uh, one of my art, my uh, drawing teachers. Her name was Rosetta. She like was had this crazy intense Italian accent. Pardon me, which I will not uh, do for you now. 
but uh she's like super <laughs> tiny like she's like half my dad's height and uh she's like she pulled my mom and dad aside and she's like you got to get this kid into figure drawing classes because he's too good for this like she basically was like this kid's this kid's drawing class is trash you gotta take him up to the next level <laughs> and uh so then i was like in seventh grade drawing with adults and high schoolers uh doing figure drawing uh two or three times a week so because she was like look he's got she said rosetta was like your kid has this ability you gotta like fuel it now um other, otherwise you know he won't he won't develop as fast so my parents were like okay and so they just we went full into it and i didn't want to do it because i liked hanging out with the kids i didn't want to hang out with high schoolers and adults and i was the best one in the class so everybody was kind of jealous and uh they're all they would call me like penis head and stuff you know all the <laughs> high schoolers i mean I'm not even clever not, not much just me <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so i would cry every time i'd go and uh but then my mom would be like you just got to do this this is you're you're good at this so you just have to deal with it and you know i went up and drew the pants off some not literally, but I like would just draw the heck out of some models, <laughs> and uh, yeah. So that's so th- I did that like through middle school through high school. I did figure drawing. Mm-hmm. So, so I think that really helped because I, I mean, I've talked with Ryan about this a, bu- a bit, but like drawing mm-hmm. cars and like backgrounds and it there is kind of a math to it. Like you can figure it out in a way that it's much harder to do with like putting your own spin on the human body and like making it yeah. look cool. Yep. Internalizing like, yeah. the human figure early on is is pretty pretty huge. Yeah, because once you can internalize all the thi- the the nuances of it, then you can start playing with it and really uh, doing you know your own thing with it. Yeah, and it's amazing now, like looking back on so, on so many things that I take for granted, as far as like learning, uh, uh, like approaching how to draw a character, and it's a, it's it's p- paved the way for me to learn new things like um i don't know there's a million things you can like try and get better at as a comic book mm-hmm. artist but like i it would always kind of freak me out because i'd try and get better at everything on every page and then i would just want to die so i'll usually like <laughs> pick something that i'm like going to intentionally be good at like i don't know like the shape mm-hmm. of a fist like the way that it makes kind of a tent shape a little bit mm-hmm. um which ryan oddly has mastered oh yeah <laughs> yeah um, and I was like, why do people draw it like that? And I like really studied it. And it really makes sense if you like really break it down, like with anatomy books. So I would take my time and like really draw whenever I'd have to do a fist. I'd like really be intentional about like, even if like they were wearing a glove or something. Um, I did this with triceps too, a ways back where like everyone was wearing long sleeve shirts, but like, uh, I like <laughs> drew every little bit of that tricep and really figured it out and then just inked right over it just cause it was an exercise. Um, nice. So doing little things like that, and I did that for backgrounds for. A l- That's why I started Space Mullet. I was gonna do a fantasy comic, but I knew that I sucked at like rigid backgrounds and sci-fi backgrounds. So I was like, I guess I got to do this now, because I knew I was weak at it. So I wanted to get better at it. So the whole, so all Space Mullet was basically like just a, a way to mess up and try and get better. So. Anyway, so that that's kind of like takes me. How to old high were school. you when you started Space Mullet? I was twenty. And you just you that had you been doing comic books type stuff, or you were you had gone to college? I know. Yeah, I gone to college to be an art teacher, Um, but that there wasn't a lot of like actual drawing in that. It was more Mm -hmm. like 
kind of like a very helicopter view of of actual art classes and much more uh much much more about like teaching and it right. was awful um but uh, i would still draw for myself but i wasn't really making comics at that point it wasn't until after i graduated college and i had been in like the working world for a while that i knew that i i was like well i i've oh man i'm trying to figure out a way to tell this story in a cool way because I've, I've told it so many times but i don't want people <laughs> to get bored because i know there are people who have already heard this story listening but i'll mm-hmm. do the quick version i graduated college i uh, hated teaching never wanted to do it so i got a like minimum wage job uh pushing patients around a hospital in chicago <laughs> And uh, so I was like a hospital transporter for a while mm-hmm. and I did that for two years. I met my wife. We got married. And uh, right around the time that we got engaged, I, a, a teaching, an art teaching job landed in my lap. I was like, well, I guess I should do this. And uh, it was miserable. I did it for a full school year. I couldn't handle it. And I got married in the middle of that school year. And my wife, Rachel, was at, at the end of the school year was like, you have to quit. I can't handle you living like this. Uh, you're miserable all the time. You're making me miserable. Why don't you try to do the art thing? And I was like, I can't do the art thing. Like, I'm not good enough. She's like, well, you're, I think you're really good. I'm like, you have to say that. You're my wife. I need to, <laughs> I need to, you know, provide for my family and all this bullshit. Um, which, you know, so dumb looking back on it now. She's like, that's all dumb. She's like, that's dumb bullshit. Like, just, just do it. Like we have some savings and, uh, you know, you try and do it for three months and if nothing works, then well, you know, you do something else. So it was mostly because of Rachel that I like actually started working at it. And it took somebody who, who's like savings was on the line for me to really get my ass in gear like I needed. So mm-hmm. uh, like with that kind of, with that kind of lighting a fire under my butt, uh, I got to work. And so I didn't really have any leads. I didn't have any jobs, but I just put my name out there. I made a bunch of business cards and I would take any like visual art job that I could get like graphic design, illustration, anything. And then my plan was, I'm just going to go, uh, breadth, no depth. So I'm going to just say yes to everything and figure out how to do it later. And, uh, I'm going to try and do my own comic. I'm going to call it space mullet. Uh, I have no idea what the story is going to be. Let's draw page one. (laughs) And I just basically (laughs) figured it out or tried to figure it out. Um, so you didn't even plot that out ahead of time. I mean, a little bit. Like, right. I knew the main characters, and I knew, like, I mean, I had some sort of arc, but I didn't actually know how to make an arc. Like, I didn't know right. how to do any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew what I liked, and I, I wanted to imitate that. And I didn't even think that it was really, it was just one of those things that I'd always wanted to do. Like, man, every time I've tried to draw a comic, I've always just, like, pooped out. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's never, I've just always, like, gotten lazy. So... Um, I was like, this time I'm really going to do it. I'm going to do it two days a week. It's going to be a web comic. So I'm going to fail publicly if I don't get it up, um, (laughs) which is a great incentivizer. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that was just one Avenue of the, of the breadth, uh, strategy. And cause if honestly, if like graphic design had really panned out, I totally would have done it. Um, it was just, I couldn't, um, I couldn't make enough clients or i couldn't get enough clients to just do like one-off illustration gigs i think about that all the time that there's so many things that could have happened along the way where i would have just been complacent and been like yeah sure i'll do that job (laughs) and then i would just be in a totally different place in life right now like 
all I wanted was to make money at the at, at the beginning, you know. Yep. I, it's not like I was turning down offers. Yep. You know. Yeah, same here. And it it wasn't until maybe like the middle of 2013 that I was like, I think there's enough work in comics where it doesn't pay as well as necessarily like an illustration job for magazines or graphic design, but mm-hmm. there's more work of it out there if you can get your foot in the door. So um, that became my strategy, and then I started really going for it hard. Um, and that's when I really started pushing myself with Space Mullet. And, um, you know, I'd go to shows and, and kind of bring my portfolio. And if anybody wanted to take a look, I would show them. And I just have my original art of Space Mullet out on the table being like, this is what I do. And every once in a while, someone would be interested. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of how I made my connections. And I think I actually emailed Donnie. Uh, Oh, you contacted Donnie. Yeah, I read uh, Buzzkill. My local shop was like, I think you should read Buzzkill. It's really good. I think you'd like it. I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And I thought issue one was friggin' triumphant. And I just emailed Donnie. I was like, man, I really like Buzzkill a lot. I think it's a really cool story. Like, looking forward to what you do next. And, like, in the little footer of my uh, email is just my website. And he saw it, and he liked it. So he emailed me back, and we we got on the phone. And he pitched me a book about... um, He's like, do you want to do a book about uh, World War One carrier pigeons? <laughs> and I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, 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 next time he's on here, ask him about the World War One carrier pigeon book. I will. <laughs> <Okay>, sure. <laughs> so and then and then so then we talked about it and um, we kind of talked numbers and like what I would need to like live. And he's like, okay, let me think about it. Let me see what what happens. You know, I'm always got. I've got stuff with Dark Horse in the works, but I don't know what for sure. That was in late 2013, maybe like November 2013. And then in January 2014, he called me up. He's like, my artist pooped out for this book called The Ghost Fleet. And it's got the green light, but we have no artist. And uh, do you want to do it? And I said, yes. So, And I had done a few other things at Dark Horse up to then. Like I did like an EVE Online True Stories comic with Daniel Way that was like 16 pages. Oh, I didn't even know about that either. Oh man, oh man, <laughs> it is not good. I, yeah, the foreheads in that book that I, I, I don't know why my foreheads, I drew my forehead so big back then. I know, isn't it? It's it's always weird when you because you don't notice that you're. I used to draw necks like giraffes, <laughs> and people would tell me, that, and I'd be like, no, I'm pretty sure that's how a neck looks. And then you know, eventually, <laughs> somehow you have like a revelation day where you see it, and you're like. Oh, yep. Those are long necks. <laughs> Those are long necks. Shit. Yeah. Dude, I did I, um, I did this uh this cover for The Wicked and the Vine. I don't remember the character's name, but I drew the arms way too long. This wasn't that long ago. This is maybe a year and a half ago, <laughs> 2 years ago. And uh, a collector that I know bought it and um I just was like we were we're like we're not super we're not like friends, but we're like we're acquaintances. We're in the same events and he's like oh yeah uh, i was talking about how this one time i i was drawing arms too long it was like for a month i was like trying something new and uh i was like i did this wicked and divine cover he's like i bought that cover and i was like oh yeah yeah her arms are way too long and he like went back and he looked at it and next time i saw him he's like hey uh, i can't enjoy your wicked and divine cover anymore the arms are way too long (laughs) that's awesome so i felt bad but it's okay because the Eve Online art is in my closet gathering dust and it'll never see the light of day. I'll take it. There, I'll take it off your hands. There are some people that bring that. It's like a crappy little hardcover. 
that like uh some people like bring it up to me at shows They're like hey I, you remember this i'm like oh my god <laughs> sure yeah yeah so there you go <laughs> well awesome i uh I remember the the big turning not not turning point but breaking point I feel like in your career was when you did um, something that me and a couple other people that I know were telling you not to do. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Mm. Um, what do the, you uh, star, the the fan comic? The oh, Green, Green Leader. <laughs> Green Leader. Would you call yeah, it Green, Green Wake? Yeah, that's what Riley worked on. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, Green Leader, where Daniel was just like. I'm going to do a 10-page comic of this scene from Star Wars, and I'm going to just, like, give it away to people. And we were like, what the hell is wrong with you? Why would you do that? You're wa- Like, what a waste of time. And I'm, Scotty, Scotty, Scotty was Scotty, against it, too. Scotty we, read me we the were, Riot Act. He's like, you're going to get sued yeah. by Disney. Oh, yeah, I remember Scotty and I talking about it afterwards, being like, what in the hell is wrong with is Is, like... I just don't get this. And then he puts it out. And then, like, everybody in the comic book industry is going insane trying to get it. Yeah. I think, like, I remember it was right after that that Kirkman started contacting you, right? No, Kirkman knew about my stuff through Sean Kirkham, who is okay. the head business guy, one of the business guys at Skybound, who bought a bunch of my space mold originals in 2013 um and so so ever since then he he brought my originals back to the skybound office and was like robert you gotta check this stuff out and they could have kind of always had their eye on me since then but um i remember sean kirkham came up to my table when i released it at c2e2 2015 and he ju- he just like handed me like 150 dollars. he's like i'll take eight <laughs> <laughs> he like bought one for like everybody at the Skymount office, uh, including Robert. So I know that they were excited about it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I felt like at that convention it was like, like just bef- like uh, days before I was like this is wh- what is he doing? He's gonna <laughs> nobody like why would anybody want this? And then I felt like the whole convention was based around Daniel's Green Leader, and everybody was like, did you get a green le- copy of Green Leader yet? Yeah. I sold out. On, I sold out like at the end of Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, the, the it was, and then how long was it until you started doing Extremity with Skybound? So I was talking with Skybound about Extremity. Um, well, okay, hold on. So this all leads back to Alabaster, which again <laughs> was just a nightmare for many reasons, but it kind of sucked the fun out of making comics for a while for me. So one of the healing processes, which I think I told you guys, was I just want to do something for fun that has like no relevance to my career or money or anything like that. I just want to do it because I want to do it. And I've always wanted to do this dumb comic about this green leader guy who nobody seems uh, to care about. I can't relate to this at all. <laughs> Not getting paid to work. What? Well, like, you know, the only reason I was working on Alabaster was not because I enjoyed it at all or it brought me any sort of artistic significance or any or artistic. Uh, what's the word? Uh, Fulfillment. Thank you. Yes. Um, it was just because I needed to pay the bills and like not to say that that wasn't good enough because there were good days where I'd like be drawing a truck. and like, wow, this is a great truck. Uh, an nice. Alabaster, <laughs> you know, like I had to draw an old like 1960s style Ford, which was great. Um, but the whole working experience was just kind of burned me out mm-hmm. for many reasons. But uh, 
when I finished, I was like, I, oh, as I was finishing, I was like, I can't be doing this. I can't be working for writers or at least I can't, I felt like I was just at the whim of kind of whichever writer I might get placed with next. Um, yes, I know that feeling for sure. (laughs) And, uh, not to like, I'm not trying to shit on your career path, Ryan, or anything like that, <laughs> or anybody else who works with writers. That's not my point. I just, you know, I was like, well, after this, you know, I'm just kind of, I felt like I was kind of rolling the dice on whether I would, A, get more work, and B, if that work would just lead me into working with another writer that maybe didn't necessarily treat me as an equal. And, and that's not, I'm, I sound like I'm pooping on writers now. I'm not meaning to do that because there are plenty of amazing writers out there whom I would love to work with. But it's just the lack of agency within the whole context of making comics. It just mm-hmm. you, know, you get put with a writer. If, if it's a good relationship, it's good. If it's not, it's not. And I just wanted a little more agency over my own career. So I was like, why don't I just try and make this? I had this story of extremity kind of swirling around in my head a little bit. Why don't I just like see if I can make it re- really cool looking and put together a pitch and see if anybody's interested. So I did that while I was working on Alabaster um, to have ready to go for a bunch a bunch of different publishers like leading into the new year. So this is late 2014, right? Yes. So then 2015 at uh, Emerald City, I showed those pitch pages to Skybound that would be end up being Extremity. Um, and uh, it had the terrible working title of Hope Rising. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> yes, I, I remember all the naming iterations. Oh, my God. We went through that so much in Skype group. Yep. <laughs> it was Ryan Lee that finally said uh, it should be Extremity. Yeah. Wow. Well, he's amazing at that. He, is really he always good at that. He couldn't name this podcast, though, so I was very disappointed. <laughs> Nobody could name this fucking no, podcast. This was, a, this was a nightmare to name it. We settled on this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I pitched to Skybound. They were really into it. And then while I was working on Green Leader, we were kind of going back and forth with contract stuff. So, just, Oh, so you had already had the, the contact. You were already working towards the deal with Robert? Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I actually, I think I may have still been working on Alabaster. Um, yeah. You were so happy when you were working on that. Was I? I don't remember. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, are you, you were... talking about Green Leader or Alabaster? Alabaster. Oh. No, you were happy with doing Green Leader. Yeah. I, I think that, I mean, we don't need to get into why Alabaster was a bad experience, but. We can. I, I don't that, care. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it's well, no, no, yeah, dis- no disrespect to anybody. It was just like, you know, I would just get ridiculous notes. Like, yeah. insane notes. Like They were, they were totally insane. I've never experienced a note one-tenth of the ones that he was getting like in my entire career i was getting notes like the wheel wells on my car were like two inches too short um, yeah and oh, just shit. things like where it's like as i because i remember i really put my ass into um issue one like i really wanted to show that i was mm-hmm. invested and then i got these notes back that were so nitpicky and like you know whatever right like every creator is their own thing some people that's the working relationship but when the notes are things like um, this wheel well is 14 inches when it should be like 16. Uh, I just made me crazy, and I just kind of lost the rest of the juice for the. I mean, rest at some point, it seemed like they just wanted uh, photos, you know. <laughs> A little bit, yeah, and like, I, you know, I think they went through multiple artists before they got to me. Yeah. Um, so then, by the time I came around, it was just like, 
let's just get a, a body to like make this comic happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so which felt pretty poopy, and like I didn't mm-hmm. have access to the writer's email um, or any way to contact her. It was all through the editor, so I couldn't actually interact with the writer. Mm-hmm. Um, so all this like just led up to me feeling like just like you know just a vessel to get the story done instead of an actual collaborator, um, which will suck the juice out of any any artist. Um, but yeah, I remember there were a few pages where it's like, there was like one double page spread where I literally, I had to draw like 20 things. Remember that? Like there was like an alligator and they were all described within an inch of their lives. Yes. Yeah. So I almost had a panic attack when I read that one. Um, so anyway, yeah. So that led to the free, like I just wanted to be free and that was a big part of why extremity came to be. So actually I guess, you know didn't whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger i guess but yeah i I mean i i think it's cool like it's crazy that you had that experience early on because i've had so few negative experiences with writers but i mean i could see that driving you just to you know hey i'll just write it myself you know Mm because i i I have aspirations to write and draw for myself but i always was like well i'll establish myself as an artist and then i'll uh, you know, take up writing later, which, you know, I've started to write some stuff, yep. but I always feel like that if I, if something pushed me over the edge like that, maybe I'd be doing it more now, you know, mm. but then I wouldn't have been working with beautiful, beautiful Donnie. <laughs> Good old Donnie. <laughs> Good old Donnie. Um, Globe trotting Donnie. Oh, where is he now? South Africa, I believe. South Africa. Is there yeah. is there a Comic Con happening there? There is, yeah. What's it called? Uh, probably South Africa. I don't know. <laughs> I think they, I, I, I got invited also, but I was just like, can't handle you know, it. With kids, you yeah. Can't, with kids, you can't. I don't want to leave them for like a week at a time, you know. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. brutal. I can't. I can barely leave my kiddo for like a weekend. Oh yeah, when they're your your kids' age, they they look older when you get back. If even if it's a week, she gets she looks taller when I get back. It's scary. Yeah. Oh boy goodness yeah so uh extremity happens it's fantastic and then we get to murder falcon you want to talk about that yeah so um as extremity was ending um or was beginning to wrap up skybound approached me (coughs) and they asked they're like what do you want to do we're we're thinking maybe we have this great writer that we want to we want we like for you to try and work with and i was like honestly i don't i don't want to work with another writer i want to keep writing and drawing my own stuff and they're like, okay, well, what did you have in mind? And I said, uh, I have this book. It's called Murder Falcon. <laughs> and it was just the name that I had to go by. And, uh, you know, I just knew that I wanted it to be a little different in tone than uh, mm-hmm. Extremity and a little more fun, a little more scaled back. The, the, I was thinking that the stakes would be, like, a lot lower and the world, like, wouldn't be at stake, but then that all changed because it just turned into, like, such an adventure-style story. Sure. Um but yeah, I pitched it to them, and uh, they they like were really ex- interested. Why don't you send us an official pitch when you get home? And I said okay. And uh, oh wait, you hold. said I'm offer only. No wait, oh how did it happen? Oh, okay, so here's a fun story. So this is uh, Emerald City twenty seven. Hold on, Emerald City twenty seventeen. I am I so. I'm in the hotel hanging out, and uh, I was hanging out with Ramon Villalobos and a bunch of other creators. I think Nick, 
Uh, Nick Barber was there. Uh, let's see. I think Ibrahim Mustafa was there. Let's see. I'm name dropping, but I don't care. Uh, the guy that wears sunglasses inside. Uh, <laughs> Joe. Several. Joe. Uh, Joe K. Casey. Yes. Sorry, Joe. I forgot your name for a second. <laughs> He's uh, happy to be known as the guy that wears sunglasses inside. <laughs> so you, we were all hanging out in this uh, hotel room, and I was getting really excited because I was like, guys, I have this new thing. I'm going to pitch Skybound. And they're like, oh, what is it? We're really pumped. And I was like, it's called Murder Falcon. And I told them the concept. It's like a, a <laughs> falcon that comes out of, like, you know, the, the ether when you play metal. And the better that you play metal, the better that you play your guitar, better that Murder Falcon fights. And they just ripped me a new one. I mean, they just thought it was the dumbest oh, idea ever. What? Oh, it was hilarious. They were just giving me the biggest amount of shit. It was all, like, in good fun. But, yeah. like, I remember Joe Casey's in the corner. He's not saying anything. And then, like, it, this, this conversation, like, gets to a lull, and he just, like, takes his sunglasses off, and he's like, do you even care about your career? <laughs> oh, Joe Casey hated it, too? He, he, well, I think he was kind of jumping on a train of, like, let's make fun of Dan. Because I was, like, so excited his, about his, it. His ideas are completely wacky, generally. That's true. I think you, I, everybody was, like, it was all in good fun. We were having a hoot, but they were giving me a right. really hard time. And, um... Ramon and a few of the other guys were sitting pretty close to my table and uh, I was like you guys just you wait you're gonna see like they're gonna love it it's gonna be the best thing you've ever read and uh, I pitched it to Sean the next day my ed- the editor-in-chief at Skybound he's like well, yeah just let us know <coughs> like like send us some official pages when you get home and then I'm at my table the next day and Robert comes up Robert Kirkman, Kirkman. yeah sorry yeah. yeah gotta say the full name here Robert Kirkman <laughs> comes up and he's like hey How's it going? I was like, oh, great. He's like, heard about Murder Falcon. And so, like, all these guys are like, they see Robert walking up and they're looking and they're hearing. He's like, heard about Murder Falcon. I love it. It's great. I can't wait to do it. <laughs> and I just looked at him and I was like, look at this. Look at this. <laughs> uh, it was a great gotcha moment. And so I sent him a, I sent him a two pages. And from what I understand, you know, like, there's like kind of the as, as with any company, there's, like, the business side and the art, uh, kind of artistry side, right, where, like, they're trying to figure out, can we turn this into something more than a comic if we have to? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the comic idea is really cool. Can we make it out of a business? And I think Robert just steamrolled the entire Skybound process. It was like, we are doing this. <laughs> Nothing's getting in the way. Uh, it's too nice. cool. So that was cool that he fought really hard for it. <clears throat> so. And then Murder Falcon ended up, the, the character design looks so cool that it's pretty obvious what they can do with it right you know in other media yeah i think that was another thing too when they saw the art and they saw like how i don't know accessible it it looked yeah um yeah that was interesting too because that one went went through no name iterations it was just murder falcon always yeah (laughs) yeah there was no no difficult and and it, it honestly like that was the name that we were all just like like I didn't know exactly what it was going to be, but I was like, oh, yeah, no, do do that book because that sounds amazing, <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah, I remember there were multiple conversations, too. I was like, what should I do, guys? What what do you think? And um, everyone was like, you have to do Murder Falcon. Like, you got to do it. And looking back well, we on were it saying, now. Like, yeah. We were saying, you, yeah, you needed to because you had ideas that were in the same vein as Extremity, but you were running the risk of if you did something similar to Extremity, then – people expecting that from you. Yeah. But if you do Murder Falcon, you know, you go completely in the opposite direction. Now nobody knows what to expect from you. So yep. the future's wide open, which leads us to... 
Wonder Ooh, Woman. Wonder yeah. Woman, Dead Earth. It's coming out in December. Uh, we just got some preview pages a couple days ago, I believe. Um, tell us about it. What? Why are you excited? Are you, I assume you're excited to write Wonder Woman. What about Wonder Woman and this project attracted you to it? Well, I'm, I, to be totally honest, I really wanted to do another creator-owned book. But mm-hmm. I just didn't have the juice. Like, um, a big personal, a big part of my like personality and like life experiences went into both Extremity and Murder Falcon, and I was like thinking about it, and I just didn't really have anything to give for my next project. Um, not anything ready. Like, I kind of need to like. Mm-hmm. I felt like I need to build up my my creative tank to get a story that I could be really proud of again. Yeah. Um, because I mean, if it really came down to it, I could totally. I mean, I think I could. I've never tried. But I I, I could just, like, throw something together and make it work. Um, mm-hmm. But I am at this point in my career where I have the ability and privilege to, like, take my time and, like, think about it. And, and if there are other mm-hmm. offers on the table that maybe um, are a little bit less uh, involved as far as, like, who I am as a person, like, I'm, I was mm-hmm. really interested in that. So... DC had reached out to me about drawing, I think Wildcat, Wildstorm, Wild something. They said that DC, they said that Jim Lee was a fan. I don't know if they were just blowing smoke up my butt or not, but that got. I was like, oh really? That's cool. <laughs> um, and uh, for those of you that don't know, Jim Lee, of course, is a small-time indie yes, artist. Yes, um, yeah. Very cool stuff. Check him out. Boost his stuff. Make sure that he gets out there. Yeah, around the same time, I was specifically told he did not like my stuff. So. <laughs> oh, sorry, Ryan. That didn't really happen. I'm sure he loves me. Um, so I I was, was working on Murder Falcon at the time, so I couldn't. But I think I, I did a cover, and uh, that kind of we I, we kept in touch, and uh, they called me and they said hey we um have this idea for a black label book that we'd like you to draw and we have a writer and i said honestly if i if i can't write the thing as well i don't want to do it (coughs) and uh they're like oh okay well we're interested in you writing and drawing as well and i was like oh that's cool um and they asked me like on the spot like what do you got like what are some of your ideas and the first one was an x-rated dial h for hero which they said no to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're like that will not sell it's like oh okay and they then they kind of like they said like we're looking for the dwj take on like a very established like a-list character so i was like oh okay well which initially like did not really interest me at all and uh but i was like let me think about it and if i think of something cool i'll get back to you and so i took a few weeks to, to think about it and i talked with the skype group about it a lot actually like yeah do you remember like i was like I, I basically went to the Skype group. I was like, I have no idea what to do. Well, I think that my advice, uh, if I recall, was to do the Wonder Woman thing be- because uh, I think that it's it's a smart thing to do to expand your audience into into that realm. Right. Um, obviously, we all know that you know your trajectory will be to write and draw your own stuff, but sure. you know, popping into Marvel and DC every once in a while, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think also, like, one thing that's awesome about the Skype group is, um, I don't know, like, you can um, just kind of, like, it, it's very chill. Like, you don't have to, 
really talk about anything. You can just kind of come and draw. But I was just kind of airing out my like thought processes about like mm-hmm. Murder Falcon and like, well, I don't, I don't really have any interest in drawing Batman, and I feel like the best comic, like one of the best comics ever made, is the Superman, um, uh, All Star Superman. Like I don't, oh for sure, yeah, like I don't want to try and top that, like, mm-hmm. um, and but then I, I was honest and I was like, well, I honest, I actually have not really ever wanted to pick up or read like a Wonder Woman comic, um. And that's like no offense to any of the creators involved with Wonder Woman at any point. It's just this character, this the visual presentation has never really gotten me excited. Um, and so I like did a little research and you know kind of got the, the the gist of the character and some of the like the main things that she's about. And she really is like about love and like peace and justice. And I don't know, I just like was kind of intrigued that the character kind of is like all about love and like but then i was thinking how far can we push how, how far can love be like pushed by humanity which honestly feels kind of undeserving of wonder woman's like awesome justice love and uh that kind of got me started in thinking about it and uh ryan i think mentioned like i think yeah you were like i think a wonder woman comic by you would be really cool and i was like yeah, yeah especially if she looked like conan the barbarian <laughs> Oh yeah, you know she like had a little bit more of a kind of like, you know she looked a little bit, she didn't look so much like a princess or a queen. Like I kind of right. wanted to like bring her down a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, that I um, sent them an email with a little mini pitch for a Wonder Woman comic, and um, it was actually going to be called uh, the working title for that was just Wondrous, um, but they really want Wonder Woman in the title, so which makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and there, you know, one thing led to another, and I, I, on, I, again, I wanted to do a creator-owned thing, but I just didn't have any juice. And even though the stage is so much bigger on Wonder Woman, it mm-hmm. feels like the stakes are a lot lower. Because um, I remember what I was feeling when I was like working on Murder Falcon and Extremity. It's like if people don't like this, it will crush me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But if people don't like Wonder Woman, it's because, I mean, this is a generalization, but. For the most part, I feel like it's going to be I'm taking a very loved and established character and kind of putting her through different paces in a way that is interesting to me, but maybe not. It might be sacrilegious to readers, but I'm not here to play it safe. I want to have I want to have fun. I want to do make a good story. So, yeah, it's, awesome. a, it's a new take and it's really uh interesting from what i've seen i also think that as we talked about with daniel's uh insane speed at drawing (laughs) somehow this book went from being approved to he was on page 15 (laughs) overnight and i was like did you even write this first but he had written it and he had taken notes and done the whole thing but somehow he's his motor just keeps going it's crazy i I feel like i would have i would have taken i don't know six months to even start drawing because I would have been so scared. I still don't really know how the book's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the case, though? Yeah, I mean, like, the way that Who I... Who cares about endings? Yeah. I, that's my that's my hill to die on. I think I said this on the podcast before. I'm like, you know what? If the journey was good, you know, yeah. the, it would be nice if every landing was stuck, but in the end, I don't know. Like I said, I, th- I think I said this before, like, Stephen King's never written a good ending in his whole life. <laughs> Ooh, dang. Well, I'm pretty I hope he doesn't listen. Well, do you you know his process, right? Did you read his book? Yeah, he just 
like hammers it out. Yeah, he just like he just like starts with a what if scenario and just writes mm-hmm. it. Like he does yeah. not plot whatsoever. And he st- Which he, I think makes it enjoyable cuz you're kind of along the same on the same journey as him as he writes it. Oh, dude. I mean, like <laughs> so well for the re- for for your listeners who don't know, he sits down with a what if scenario. He sits down in his typewriter or computer or whatever. And he just writes it. He just page one to page 500 or 1,000, whatever, right? And then when he says it's done, it's done. And then he sticks it in a drawer for like six months, right? Or three months. He doesn't think about it, doesn't touch it. And then he like, you know, goes back to that drawer, pulls it out three months later, and just starts editing. He's like, that doesn't work, but we'll add this. Oh, that doesn't work, that doesn't work. He just reads through and changes it. And that makes me crazy. Cause like, yeah, <laughs> I don't have a brain that works that way. Well, also we're in an industry where like, uh, you know, when one of the conditions of Wonder Woman Dead Earth getting approved was this first issue needs to come out in December. <laughs> and uh, yeah, exactly. That's one of the reasons that I worked that I, I like had to like get it done is just because there was this flamethrower under my butt. Um, it's kind of interesting how drawing plays into writing too, where you 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 learn through trial and error with drawing that you can't start drawing your page until you have the layout actually figured out, yep. you know? And then so I felt like that was a big advantage when I started writing was like, well, I know this this fact, so now I'm not going to half-ass the, the outline or whatever, right. you know? Which I think my instinct would have been to half-ass the outline. Or like what you did with Space Mullet. I mean, basically you did Stephen King process where you That's true. just started drawing it. That's true, and I, I found out something important about myself as a creator is that does not work for me. <laughs> right. It's just like... I always I, think that's I, yeah. an interesting... That's an interesting thing, though. I, I, I think that that's a fun exercise for sure for anybody um, to just kind of like create something on the fly because the fact that it can just change on a, on a dime whenever you feel like it is, you know, pretty very reflective of the creator. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I just know for me, like, I, 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 the, my time is so precious. I don't want to waste any any time like on a page that I might have to do again um, right that would just kill me so uh, when I write my scripts they, they there's no panel breakdowns but what happens on them is like checked and double checked and like you know checked with editorial so I know that like I'm standing on solid ground when I start that page and that's one of the reasons that I can move forward so fast and so confidently this is a true story. Um, Daniel had been, he was working on Murder Falcon. You were past its extremity at this point. So he's written and drawn a 12-issue series, and he's working on his second series. And we were talking about writing a script, and I was like, what program do you write your scripts in, Daniel? And he's like, I just write them in Microsoft Word. <laughs> and I was like, well, what do you do for the margin in margins? And he goes, what are margins? <laughs> And I was livid. I was like, what are you talking? What do you mean, what are margins? I, feel, I think Riley was on the call, too, and we were both going, Daniel, what are you, do you not use margins? <laughs> and sure enough, I saw his script, and it's just all written, all lined up to the left. It's just like page one. And then, and then the descriptions are so like loose because he, he obviously is seeing it in his head. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've never written – I wrote one issue for myself, but I've, otherwise I've written for other people. So – I have to write out the whole description, but his would just be like, uh, she, she says, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is not like, like you're supposed to say, 
she walks into the panel and she does this and then panel two. dialogue yeah yeah dialogue you yeah. Know? the panel two she looks angrily close shot on the eyes you know right how could you do this you know yeah. but with my script it's like wonder woman walks into a bar and looks angrily at a guy and says what are you doing here page yeah. two <laughs> yeah exactly it's crazy he gets away with everything that's all you know why it's because he's so goddamn good and i am very excited for wonder woman to to come out and i think a whole lot of people are oh, thanks yeah man. i i'm very excited and rob liefeld's excited that's for sure <laughs> he's the best he's so excited uh about everything, but he seems especially excited about this book. So I mean, I, he's usually right, you know. He he, the things that he likes are usually crowd pleasers, things that kind of hit. So a bunch you of got the uh, right guy in your corner. A bunch of people were like including me in his rep- in their replies to him, being like, "I thought you hated DC." <laughs> they always do that. They come into my feed and they're like, whenever he compliments me or says anything, uh, "You should teach Rob how to draw feet or whatever." Yeah, it's like, I haven't heard that one like, before. Hey, guess what? I don't know how to draw feet either. <laughs> <laughs> I draw like canoes hanging off their legs. I like that. That's oh. awesome. Um, okay, well, hey, fantastic. Ryan, Dan, anything else you guys want to touch on before we wrap up? Um, oh, boy. Uh, I feel sick. Mm-hmm. I feel sick, um, too. Yeah, I feel awful. Sick. Actually, Riley's sick too. I think we got we somehow managed to spread the first virus through Skype. You know what? It, you know what it was? <laughs> I was on Skype with Riley ye- yep. yesterday morning, and he's mm-hmm. like, ah, ah, "Dan, I'm sick." And I was like, "That sucks, man." And then I thought in my head, "I'm so glad I'm not sick." <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I was like, "Oh man, it's too early in the in the season change for, to get sick." And next day, here we are. That that afternoon, <laughs> I was at my guitar lesson. I was like, my throat is closing up for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, where can folks find you on Twitter? Uh, Daniel Warren Art, one word. Awesome. Same for Instagram. Sweet. That's where I post most of my updates. And uh, yeah, I feel like there was yeah. something. I was some sort of news that I was gonna talk about. Um, no, you have no news. That's true. I am beat. I am truly beat. I use my own. Right. I use my own sleeve as a tissue today. <laughs> That's how bad I am. Nice, nice. That it's all is, part of the artistic process. Yeah, I mean, you got to do that every once in a while. You, just, yeah. you know, shoot a snot rocket into the <laughs> trash can when nobody's looking, and go about your day. Yep. We do work from home. Yep. <laughs> I mean, technically, we can pick our noses whenever we want. I really. do it. I do it. Do you do technically. it? Technically. Yeah. <laughs> oh, don't you don't you back away from me. <laughs> Let your listeners know. You pick your nose all the time. I think we've actually yeah. talked about this. Yeah, I definitely pick my You're nose. in the basement. You pick your nose. I mean, I can just <laughs> pick it and throw it in a paper towel, put it in the trash, I whatever. Make, uh, yeah, well. You got so much more dexterity without anything, you know. If you're yeah. getting up there, come this on. This the best. Look Hell at this. Yeah. Why could you make you so embarrassed? I could say anything right now, and you'd have to edit it out. Oh, I, my God. I know all Daniel about you. Daniel knows too much. I should. I knew this was a mistake. Could you? Could Have you told them the vomit story yet? Oh, uh, this no. Fits. This fits because the... it's part of uh, getting sick. All right, I'll tell this real quick. Yes. This happened last, this happened last winter. <laughs> okay. Uh <clears throat> I went to bed, 
I've had the stomach <laughs> flu before. Um, I go to bed. My whole family's in bed, and I start feeling like that same, like there's like mm-hmm. a rock in your stomach. And you're like, mm-hmm. what is going on? Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I start to just feel kind of ill. And then my son comes in at about uh, two in the morning or one in the morning, and he's like, Daddy, I don't feel good. And I'm like, is it is it your stomach? Does your stomach feel weird? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, mine too. You're just going to have to go back to bed. There's nothing we can do about it. I think it's a stomach flu. Um, so we go back to bed, and then he comes back in again. And uh, he starts puking in the bathroom on the floor. And Aaron doesn't feel sick, so she's a nice wife. And she goes, you go to sleep. I know you're not feeling well. I'll take care of this. So she goes out to the um, family room with Oliver, and she he's puking into a bucket, and I'm just laying there like, oh, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Then I go back to sleep for about a half hour, and then I hear Harrison come out of his room. Oh, and he's in the hallway, and I just hear him go, Mommy! And then, Bleh! <clears throat> All over the floor. And so I'm like, okay, I can't let Aaron take care of all this by herself. So I walk out of my room, and I step in his puke and slide across the floor and slam my leg into the wall. And it hurts really bad, and then I just start puking everywhere else. So, uh, yeah, that, that was about it. Holy shit. So oh, my God. all over the place, and Aaron's just taking care of all three of us as we're puking <laughs> in the buckets. It's that, it's, it's, it's that family guy bit come to life. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. It was awful. I think it's just the image of you banging your knee against the, the wall. And, I thought and it had broken it. my leg. I thought it was broken. Like, I, I feel lucky that it wasn't broken because I, I, mean, I came out, like, trying to run out there to help him because I hear him puking. I step in it and I slide across the floor so hard. And bam, right into the wall. And then I'm just like, oh, that hurts so bad. Oh. <laughs> This dude's just in so much pain in the middle of the night, and his kids are puking everywhere. Oh my god. Nightmare. Oh my god. Oh god. Wild country the next day. Oh god. I told my wife that story the next day after he told me, and I had her in tears, and that was second friggin' hand. (laughs) (laughs) It was certainly one of the worst nights we've had as a family. Oh, poor Aaron. Oh, my God. Oh, see, oh, my, just to be surrounded by all of it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did she ever get sick or did she, she just was she, she just was feel it? She she had it, but she didn't. Uh, she never like actually vomited or anything. So she was okay. feeling bad, but not yeah. throwing up or anything. Well, that's that's good. Oh. All right. So. Well, uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can email us at send us your and stories. <laughs> send us your own vomit family stories. Uh, yep. You can email us at stegmanandfriends at gmail.com. You can follow the show at Stegman Show. And Ryan, of course, is at Ryan Stegman. And you can find me at Griff Sheridan. And, of course, my partner in crime, Ethan Smith, has been sitting here silently being the best rewind boy possible, making sure we don't sound like shit. You can find him at tales to astonish um, Guys, Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the show. What's next week? Who knows? I don't. Nobody Ryan knows. doesn't. Uh, do so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Uh, but until then, Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, thank you so much for being on the show, man, and we can't wait to have you back. Oh, should, um, should, I, should we go out on a, some shred? Yeah, yeah a shred, brother. Okay. All right. <sighs>
<laughs> awesome.